This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 51, entitled Elisha and High Human Christology. As always, the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I am your host. I want to talk today about a human being empowered by God to perform miracles and miraculous feats. Maybe you have heard of him. This man healed the sick, raised the dead, fed the multitudes, and even restored an unclean leper. Maybe you have heard of him. This man also controlled the waters, possessed the ability to summon defensive angels for his protection, and was able to extend his human presence into far-off places. You might have concluded that I'm talking about Jesus Christ, as he is depicted in the four New Testament Gospels. But I'm actually talking about the Old Testament prophet Elisha. A pupil of the famous prophet Elijah, Elisha is a lesser-known man of God, empowered to perform many wondrous miracles that sound an awful lot alike the things that Jesus was able to do. And yet, Elisha was never thought of as being divine or making himself out to be Israel's God. Rather, he was described as a man of God, a fully-fledged human being bearing God's blessing and empowerment. Comparisons between Elisha and Jesus Christ are quite rare these days. But this episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast will look at the manner in which God empowers the human being Elisha with a high human status, followed by a comparison with the same miracles performed by Jesus within the New Testament Gospels. The aim of this episode is to better understand the Christological emphasis given by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in their portrayals of the human being Jesus Christ by placing him in the context of other human beings bearing a high human status and empowerment by God, such as Adam, Moses, Elijah, and for today's purposes, Elisha. I want to credit Daniel Kirk's research in his book, A Man Attested by God, for the inspiration behind this week's podcast. Let's begin to look at the evidence because there is quite a lot to look at today. Our first point is entitled, Elisha Demonstrates Control Over the Waters. We've got quite a few passages in 2 Kings, which is the main text from which we get our information about the prophet Elisha. Quite a few passages that talk about his control over water. Beginning in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 19, we read, Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold now, the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. He said, Bring me a new jar and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. He went out to the spring of water and threw salt in it and said, Thus says the Lord, I have purified these waters. There shall not be from their death or unfruitfulness any longer. So the waters have been purified to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. That's 2 Kings 2, 
verses 19 through 22, where Elisha, as a prophet, was able to perform the miracle of bringing purity and restoration to the bad water that was there within the land. And of course, he does this through the word of the Lord, through the word of Yahweh. Yahweh is the one that performs this miracle in and through the hand of Elisha the prophet. Moving on, we have another passage to where Elisha demonstrates control over the waters. In 2 Kings chapter 3, and in verses 17 through 20, we read, For thus says the Lord, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you shall drink both you and your cattle and your beast. And the passage goes on and it says, It happened in the morning about the time of offering the sacrifice that, behold, water came by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. That's 2 Kings 3, verses 17 and 20, where Elisha, as the prophet, speaks on behalf of the Lord and says that through this miracle without rain, without wind, the water within the valley is going to be filled and it's going to give water that is able to be consumed by both human beings and by cattle. Our second point notes that Elisha resurrects a dead child. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we read, When Elisha came into the house, behold, the lad was dead and laid on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind him both and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself on him and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house once back and forth and went up and stretched himself on him. And the lad sneezed seven times and the lad opened his eyes. That's 2 Kings 4 verses 32 through 35 where Elisha demonstrates his ability to raise the dead, just like his predecessor, Elijah. But here, Elisha is able to do this because he is empowered by the Lord. He prays to the Lord. And of course, Elisha demonstrates the ability to give life to this dead child. Our third point is noting that Elisha purifies that which is unclean. A very interesting example of unclean food being purified to be eaten in 2 Kings chapter 4. This passage reads, When Elisha returned to Gilgal, there was a famine in the land. As the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servants, Put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. Then one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild girds, and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, for they did not know what they were. So they poured it out for the men to eat, and as they were eating the stew, they cried out and said, O man of God, there is death in the pot. And they were unable to eat. But he said, Now bring meal. He threw it into the pot and said, Pour it out for the people, that they may eat. Then there was no harm in the pot. That's 2 Kings 4, verses 38 through 41, where Elisha is able to purify unclean food. He's able to take that which is unclean and to purify it into something that is both clean and edible to consume. 
Our fourth point today is that Elisha miraculously divides food to feed the multitudes. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we read of this episode, and it says, Now a man came from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the firstfruits, twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. He said, Give them to the people that they may eat. His attendant said, What? Will I set this before a hundred men? And he said, Give them to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. That's 2 Kings 4, verses 42-44, where Elisha speaks on behalf of the Lord and demonstrates this miracle that he's able to take 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain, and he's able to feed a hundred people miraculously with there being some left over. Of course, Elisha does not do this on his own empowerment. He does this with the empowerment of the Lord. The Lord speaks that this miracle will take place. And of course, it says this according to the word of the Lord at the end of the passage. Our fifth point is that Elisha heals an unclean leper. A man with leprosy or something along the lines of leprosy is coming into contact with Elisha in this passage in 2 Kings 5, starting verse 6. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now, as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. The passage goes on and says, So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. That's 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 6 and 14. There we see that Elisha, under the empowerment of God, Elisha here is described as a man of God, is able to cleanse Naaman of his leprosy. He's able to make him clean. And Elisha is able to do this not because he is Israel's God, but because he's described as a man of God, as a human being empowered by God. Our sixth point is that Elisha is able to extend his presence into far-off places. It's a very interesting and unique miracle here where Elisha says in 2 Kings 5, 26, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? That's 2 Kings 5 and verse 26. Elisha here seems to be saying that his heart or his spirit went out with this other person. He was able to extend his heart, his spirit, or his presence. We're not really sure what exactly is being said here, but the Hebrew word uh, generally translated is heart. Elisha is able to extend his heart, his understanding, his prophetic presence while being a fully-fledged human being. It's a very interesting miracle here, and of course we'll have more to say about this when we look at Jesus, who also is able to extend his presence as a fully-fledged human being. Our seventh point is that Elisha demonstrates control over angelic armies, a very powerful feat indeed. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we read, Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots were circling the city. 
And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with him. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. At Second Kings 6. Verses 15 through 17, this seems to be a very authoritative thing that Elisha is able to do. He demonstrates the authority to summon these things. And of course, he here is called a man of God, a human being empowered by God with God's authority to summon the angelic host. And of course, we have these, these horses and these fiery chariots all around Elisha. Very powerful an authoritative man of God, as described here in Second Kings, being Elisha, who still is a man of God, a human being. So now we'll move to our eighth point, which is depictions within the Gospels, the New Testament Gospels, of Jesus in light of Elisha's high human status. It is fascinating to note that Every one of these seven types of miracles observed thus far finds a parallel in the miracles performed by Jesus Christ. We see that Jesus demonstrates control over the water just like Elisha demonstrated control over the water. There's a variety of passages that we can read, and we wouldn't have time to read all of them, but we can just note for the notes that Jesus is able to walk upon water in Matthew chapter 14. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is able to control the fish in the water, telling Peter to throw the nets over on the other side so that fish in the water are able to come into those nets. And most importantly, in John chapter 2, Jesus controls the water and turns that water into wine. So there's a variety of miracles, and of course there are others that we haven't spoken of here, being able to calm the storms being able to bring fish out of the water to pay taxes. Jesus is clearly able to demonstrate control over nature and specifically control over the water in a very similar way when compared to Elisha. We can also see that Jesus was able to raise the dead just like Elisha was able to raise the dead. There are Multiple examples of Jesus raising the dead. Prominently, we have John chapter 11, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But I do want to read a passage in Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 through 5, where Jesus tells the disciples of John the Baptist that, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's Matthew 11, verses 4 through 5. Jesus here gives a summary of his kingdom work and his kingdom ministry that the dead are raised up. The dead are technically woken up, as the Greek text more specifically says. So Jesus is able to raise the dead, and of course we have lots of individual examples of this. Just like Elisha was able to purify that which is unclean, Jesus is also able to purify that which is unclean. We don't really have any examples of Jesus purifying unclean food, but we have Jesus purifying unclean people. In Mark chapter 6, we read, Whenever Jesus entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring him, 
that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak, and as many as touched it were being cured. That's Mark chapter 6, verse 56, where we see that those who are sick, which in that culture would have been deemed as unclean, they were being cured by coming into contact with Jesus and Jesus' cloak. Of course, there's many examples of Jesus healing those which are unclean, healing those which have deformities. And so Jesus here is able to demonstrate the authority to do this and, of course, the miraculous empowerment by God to bring purity and cleanliness to those which are unclean and impure. And, of course, just as Elisha was able to take a little bit of food, divide it, and to feed the multitudes, Jesus is able to do the very same thing, of course, on a much grander scale. In Matthew chapter 14, we know that Jesus feeds the 5,000 with the loaves of bread and the fish. And in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus feeds the 4,000 also with a small amount of bread and fish. Just like Elisha being able to take a little bit of food and divide it to feed lots of people, Jesus is able to take a little bit of food and feed lots of people. And in both accounts of these highly empowered human beings, there is food left over, which seems to indicate that the depictions of Jesus seem to be drawing upon, or at least being deliberately echoing, the story of Elisha's miracle. We also see that Jesus heals the unclean leper, just like Elisha demonstrated. In Mark chapter 1, we read, And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him, and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. That's Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. We also see that Jesus is able to extend his presence in faraway places. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, Jesus says, For when two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. That's Matthew 18 and verse 20, where Jesus seems to indicate that he is able to, as a human being, extend his presence in the place where two or three are gathered together in his name. Of course, we have the last verse of Matthew after the resurrection of Jesus and his empowerment with the authority in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 20. In both places, we see that Jesus is able to be in one place, and yet he is able to extend his presence to be with his followers when they are in a different place. And this is highly interesting specifically because Elisha was able to do the very same miracle. And of course, Jesus demonstrates his control over the angelic armies. Matthew 26, 53 has Jesus saying, Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? That's Matthew 26, verse 53. It's very interesting here the way that this authority is described. Jesus appeals to the Father in the same way that Elisha was able to pray to the Lord God. And the Father is able to put at Jesus' disposal these legions of angels to protect him. So it's at Jesus' disposal. It is as if the Father is giving Jesus the authority to use these angels for his own purposes. 
just as Elisha was able to pray to God and God gave the authority of the angels, the horses, and the fiery chariots at the disposal of Elisha. And yet both Elisha and Jesus seem to be human beings that are favored by God and they're praying to God for this authority and empowerment. So, in conclusion, we have observed that, number one, the Old Testament prophet Elisha was a human being empowered by God to perform many miracles that apart from God's help would have been absolutely impossible for any human being to accomplish. Elisha demonstrated control over nature, was able to purify that which is unclean, was able to impart life to the dead, demonstrated authority over the heavenly host, and was able to extend his presence. And yet, Elisha remained a human being, albeit a human being highly empowered with a high human status, able to do many signs and wonders generally reserved for God alone. The text of 2 Kings never leads the reader to believe that Elijah was, in fact, Israel's God. Rather, Elisha repeatedly is declared to be a man of God, a human being empowered by Israel's God. And number two, we observe that since Elisha was a human being empowered with a high human status to perform divine miracles and feats, it is interesting that Jesus Christ is also depicted as doing very similar things under the same empowerment from God. Like Elisha, Jesus repeatedly demonstrates his control over nature and over the waters. Like Elisha, Jesus took small amounts of food and miraculously divided it to feed the multitudes. Like Elisha, Jesus gave life to the dead. Jesus also cleansed the unclean and even healed those who were leprous. While many feel that Jesus' ability to extend his presence is too exalted of a claim for a mere human being, Elisha was able to do the very same thing. Lastly, both Jesus and Elisha possessed the authority to summon the angels of heaven for protection. These miracles and this authority possessed by Jesus does not make him God any more than Elisha. The New Testament Gospels portray Jesus in light of other human figures of high human status. That is, human agents of God empowered and authorized to exercise God's power and authority on this earth. If you enjoyed the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, please consider supporting us. You can check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I look forward to sharing with you next week. My name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks, take care.